You gotta have weird faith. <laughs> Welcome to Weird Faith. <laughs> Hope you're having an awesome Wednesday today. Uh, we are back and we are excited. Hopefully, I had a great Easter. How many of y'all ate some uh, deviled eggs on I Easter? Did, did mm-hmm. you eat some deviled eggs? I didn't get any, but I Not was crazy. crazy about Shout that. out. My mom made them and then forgot to put them out actually at the dinner table. And so you had a whole plate. We know everything was already gone. Like we were trying to put dishes away by the time we figured out that we had them mm. and then they were gone. Do they have like paprika on top? She didn't put paprika. Ah, hmm. Okay. Okay. Marilyn, let us know down in the comments why you didn't put paprika down in your, de- <laughs> in your deviled eggs. But, uh, Hey, we're going to have some exciting things go on today. We're really, uh, talking about some scary things, but before we do, Scott's going to tell us uh, some comments that we had, some shout outs down there on our comments. Yeah. So the last episode, we had some fun. And one of the fun things that we had some comments from people like Janie Carrico, who claims she's been trying to tame Ron Williams to be a loving son-in-law for 29 years. That's <laughs> but and then gave us one of these emojis. Huh. What are you going to so. do? Dude, J- Janie has been featured on like every episode. She has. JJ, thank you for being such a faithful weirdo. We love having Lisa you. even commented on how much we talk about her mom. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Lisa, I think, was a little bit jealous about it. Well, so why don't you comment? You Lisa, comment. maybe you should vote one of us the Weird Award winner yeah. every now and then. Uh, speaking of Ron, he makes some excellent meatballs. He does. He has some meatballs. If you want to invite the Weird Faith podcast over to your house for dinner, yeah. Uh, a live broadcast from it. the Williams house while eating rigatoni <laughs> and meatballs. We totally should have done that. Yeah, Ron and Lisa had us over. Ron knows what he's doing in that kitchen. That's right. Jenny also said uh, that Phil was the weirdest person last time because he seemed to enjoy that dingo on his hand. That uh, what was the dog's name again? Oh, Dino yeah. the dingo dog. Dino, Dino right up here above me. Uh, and I was close second with the monkey story. I understand that was a dark part of my life. I shared with you also. Sorry, Carla Carr also wants to point out that the guinea elephant for the best pet of the year. Mm, that's uh, right. Never heard of that. Did you talk about that? Is that like yeah. a small elephant? You heard the miniature elephant, yeah. Uh, okay. Apparently, I don't really mm. didn't pay attention to you. Pot belly elephant. <laughs> <laughs> but she also says, funny that you said genetic mutation is probably not ethical, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Who's up to decide? <laughs> Who's up to decide? Uh, and Nesha also said that you had the most, you definitely had the most fun. I think it was just because you're puppeteering. Yeah, it was all in the Australian accent. No, it was so bad. Listen to that later. That, awesome. But uh, yeah. I, what was your I reference in the right? I didn't have one. That's my problem. Like I only know, that like isn't a knife. This is a knife. This is a crocodile <laughs> Dundee. The only thing I, I can think of. Trying to do outback commercials. <laughs> yeah. Steak and lobster for a limited tour. <laughs> Another shrimp on the bar. Shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> Michael Yes commented that he'd have to agree with me on the exotic animal that we'd like to have a pet because mm. he also thinks otters were awesome and have always thought it would be awesome to have one as a pet. Mm. And then Samantha Audia said a red panda. Ooh, mm-hmm. uh, Chloe loves yeah. red pandas. That's they are adorable. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So that's our shout out. So there's a lot of good feedback, a lot of people, good uh, comments on what kind of animals that they would want as pets. So thank you guys for doing that. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and get into our weird facts today. So uh, today's 
topic was actually picked by one of our faithful weirdos, Andrea Gwynn. Yeah. And she wanted us to talk about something that's a little bit serious, which is worry and anxiety. Uh, kind of, we'll kind of use those words interchangeably today, but uh, this idea of worry and overthinking and things like that. So uh, I know for me, and maybe you guys could agree, sometimes when I feel anxious about something, I realize later looking back that it might've been kind of an irrational fear that I had. Absolutely, And that's not always the case. And anxiety is very real and something that a lot of people deal with, but I thought it would be cool to start before we get into our devotional content today, talking about strange fears, strange phobias. So mm. I had these two guys bring in some weird facts. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead with one though, before I turn it to you guys. Uh, I couldn't actually find a word for this. Me and Phil share one yeah. that, that we'll he's going to talk about, talk about. I think he is, this is actually one you bothered a little bit more by it than me. This is one that he has, but he doesn't know that it's medically has a, a name for it. Yes. It's definitely worse for Phil. It, it's, oh, oh, it bothers me. Yeah. The oh, one we share. Yes. The it one has we share. a name. Yeah. Uh, so the one that I want to share, I don't know what the name is for it. I couldn't find a name, but Scott, if you would throw the picture up, I am terrified of hornet's nests. Mm-hmm. They are terrifying. There's something about the composition of them that's in no one or no two hornet's nests look alike too. So like, I don't know, they look really unsettling to me. And it's not just um, bees in general. No. Although, you know, you probably have a healthy fear of bees. Uh, yeah. A healthy fear. <laughs> but the, but the way these, nests. these nests look, uh, I was trying to figure out what they're made of. Cause the first time I saw one, I legit like felt myself like freeze up. Like I, it was so unsettling to me. Uh, it looked like wet cardboard had been fashioned together. <laughs> so I looked up, it. yeah, I, I looked up what it's, what it's actually made of. And it is made of little wood fibers huh. mixed with the saliva of a hornet. <laughs> and they, they like paste it all together and make so these they made paper strange before people did, I guess. Well, I mean, that's, that's what I thought the first time was like, it looks like a bad paper mache but it's terrifying. And I didn't even really know what it was, but Candace told me and had to like move me away from it because <laughs> that bad. I felt like, dude, they scare me. So uh, last episode we talked about you getting chased away by a dragonfly. Yeah. A horse uh-huh. fly. Horse yeah. fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's dude. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there's a home remedy that you can stop uh, carpenter bees on your porch by putting a hornet's nest, like a, you know, an old used hornet's nest on your porch. I could never so touch it. So I was it. looking them up. Uh, because I thought uh, we have some on our front. They're eat, you know, eating through our railing on our front porch. And uh, they're like hundreds of dollars to buy like a, a hornet's nest. So I bought one that was a like a one. They call them like Chinese lantern or something mm. like that. And it's so like unfolds and it looks like a hornet's nest. Oh, dude. I'll put that in your no, office. Please. <laughs> Did it work? I, it, it, I, it blew away before. <laughs> Good. So our last house in Parkersburg, we had carpenter bees in our carport. WD forty. Uh yeah, right. You spray that in the holes and they all go away. Mm. Huh. My first year living there, this we kept a kill count. I walked outside with the 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 hose of my leaf blower and I was swimming mm. like a baseball bat. Yeah. Sixty seven killed in the first year of that That's living. Crazy. Yeah, I I would say, and I'm not joking here. I'm more afraid of the nest than the actual hornet. Yeah. I think crazy. I'd rather be attacked by a hornet than a hornet's nest. Then just have to look at a hornet's nest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and uh, before we turn to them, I wanted to give a shout out to my wife. She has a very strange fear, too. I didn't look up the name for this. Maybe somebody, uh, one of our weirdos, could help us out and drop this in the comments. But Candace is terrified absolutely disgusted by the sound of liquid pouring. Mm-hmm. So do we have a water bottle here on the, 
around that maybe we could do this into the mic here. Yeah, we're gonna have Phil pour it. He's got a little more room in his mug into the the mic here. This sound right here. Here we this go. This is ASMR. Yeah. Candace, <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody's uh, going to have to stop and pee while they're driving. Yeah, but no, that sound, Candace cannot stand it. She will cover her ears and yell random noises. If you're at dinner if, with her, yeah. you won't know that if you have, you know, the lady pours your The waitress water. comes back to mm-hmm. pour the water. Candace is going to cover her ears. She cannot stand that sound. So, wow. Uh, what about you guys? Let's start with Scott over here. What do you got? Oh, so mine, I haven't met anyone that struggled with this until I met Josh. Josh doesn't know he has is this is called paganophobia. Mm. And I actually have a picture that shows what this fear actually is. So let's put this picture up here real quick. Uh, wrong picture. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, <laughs> oh, dude. You got yeah. to. D- it is a fear of beards. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah. So the actual fear is paganophobia, which is a fear of beards. It's a, usually stems from an alarming incident. Involving somebody who has a beard. Okay. So, Santa. But Santa, <laughs> uh, you know, pirates or yes. whoever Josh met a long right, time right. ago. That is the reason why he can't grow a beard. It was a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first one. I just right. want to have a little awesome. fun with you. Yeah. <laughs> when I read that one, I'm like, oh, Josh has this. My beard. wife yeah. uh, is funny. It's funny. She actually has a fear of Josh's mustache. So it's <laughs> a, a different. I'm not sure what that yeah. is, but. Uh, so here's a legit fear that I have that has like ruined days for me. Uh, it's called tryptophobia, uh, and it refers to the disgust or fear of a pattern of holes or seeing a cluster of holes in food or flowers or everyday items like sponges. Uh, it, it triggers a feeling of revulsion. Mm. So there's a picture of this is probably the first thing that I ever realized was uh, triggered something in me. Okay, uh, right now. I don't like looking at it now, uh, but this is a common thing that people put in potpourri uh, in people's houses. It's a dried lotus uh, husk or something mm. like that. Uh, so the first time I saw this though, and, and I might I'll give it, it off the screen for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I might give you this feeling too. The first time I noticed that this was a problem was stupid Facebook. Uh, someone had superimposed that on someone's arm. Like it was part of their skin. Yes. And, uh, it, it, like I thought about it for days, like, and Mm. I didn't want to, it would just, I'd be sitting there talking to somebody and would like come up in my mind. And, uh, it has been, uh, that's, that's, it's been a tough day for me finding that picture to pull up. (laughs) (laughs) That one's always bothered me too. Mostly when it's like a lot of little tiny holes Mm -hmm. all together. I think like, I think Coral it's a texture like kind of thing for me. Like yeah. I could, I imagine what it would feel like and it kind of yeah. grosses me like out. Like spores. Yeah. Any of that kind of yeah. stuff really grosses me out. Swiss cheese. Mm. Uh, if it was small That's enough, holes close enough together. Yeah. yeah. There's not like a set close pattern. It packs something to do with the, so I'm going to get a hole punch and make you a, an arts and craft project. I have seen shoes that have grossed me out before. Really? With like Crocs. No, it's not that. <laughs> it's smaller than that. It's got to be really small. That yeah. looks like something could crawl out of it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Scott? Got so anything? I have another one. I'm going to try really hard to phonetically say this, okay? Arachibotrophobia. That's not how you say it, probably. It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Ooh. Oh, I love that. You do? <laughs> What's the opposite of fearing that? <laughs> I, enjoy it. It. I just want that to happen. But yeah. Avery, I don't know about you, but like, 
uh, I had a dog that was an aging dog and had required medicine. The only way I could get her to eat medicine was to stick it in peanut butter. Right. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the night, you're for like hours on end because you have peanut butter stuck on the roof of her mouth. Yeah. So I think I'm most afraid of the sound Scott just made. Yeah. That's gross. Uh, We're hitting a new audience today with this yeah, yes. <laughs> Everybody turned it off. I don't <laughs> hear any of this. Uh, I've got a chart here that has the four main types of uh, phobias, if we could throw that up there. You've got the natural environment phobias, which is uh, astrophobia, which is a fear of storms. When Tori was little, she had an intense fear of storms. She'd hide mm. under the bed and all well, that kind of stuff. She grew up in Missouri, right? Yes, with tornadoes. Yeah, and, a, so there's a, legitimate, makes sense. a gen- yeah. legitimate reason. Uh, the hydrophobia, which you know obviously is a fear of, of water uh, or maybe pouring water. I don't know if that's part of it. Uh, dendrophobia. This one I thought was crazy. I've never heard of this one. It's people having a fear of trees and to the point where sometimes they may, uh, not want to go outside or even just looking at trees can cause this fear. Uh, they won't want to drive or any of that type of stuff. Um, then you got mutilation and medical treatment phobias, uh, dentophobia, which is obviously the fear of dentists, which I think people have, uh, that sound of the drill can really trigger them off. Um, and then, uh, tripa, I don't know how to say that one. Yeah. Probably the fear of needles. Katie has that one. Oh, really? She gave me sharing that. If not, she probably is not listening. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right. (laughs) She's definitely afraid of needles. Mm -hmm. It's been hard for us having kids. I'm the one that has Mm -hmm. to take them for the shots. Yeah. Right. She doesn't want to watch. I'm okay. As long as I don't look at it. If I look at it, then I can get, I mean, if it's a really long needle. Yeah. The one that she could not see was, uh, the epidural for, uh, that that was I wouldn't I didn't want to look, look at, at that either. either. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I, I almost halfway kinda, through the body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I almost kind of developed that one. Remember, remember when I donated plasma a few times? Yeah, right. Yeah, and they just every single time there was like a crisis <laughs> involving my arm. Like every single <laughs> time there ball. was like something bad happened, and my whole arm turned black for like three yeah, weeks. Yeah, I forgot about was, that. I, Man. I, Dude, I like coded at one time, <laughs> and that was the last time I, <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> they had that. like doctors rush to me, and they're like, uh, I think I put blood Phil back in me. They, I said, hey, Phil, I you should come with more me. blood than I don't yeah. get that. Yeah, everybody else <laughs> in the room was like <laughs> donating blood for <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Or uh, <laughs> plasma for uh, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, then, then you've got the animals, which is cynophobia, which is dogs. Equinophobia, which I kind of have. If, if I was just mm. stuck in a room with a horse and it just looked at me <laughs> all the time, I think I eventually would be, you know, pretty freaked out. Uh, I don't like snakes. I don't think that would uh, probably qualify me as a batractophobia sufferer, but... Um, uh, I mostly don't like being surprised by snakes. Like mm-hmm. if I see a snake from a distance, I'm okay. But they're fascinating. I mean, they're scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then claustrophobia, aerophobia. And then the last one, which is the one I think the most people have is glossophobia, which is actually the fear of public speaking. And that's one of the number one fears yeah, that people talk I've, about. I've heard that, you know, if you look at statistics, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are death. So like they would rather die. Mm-hmm. Than public speaking. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I have that one, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, I mean, Sundays that was rough for Phil. <laughs> Pray for me. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I you develop uh, comfort in public speaking. Yeah. It's not something for me anyway. That I don't think I've ever actually met somebody who absolutely like that's what they live for. It's like a just me. Yeah, right. Even yeah. if everyone still has a slight nerve. Yeah, right. even if you're gifted at it, it's something you still it's it's going to be uncomfortable. The thing that makes it better for me is just constant preparation. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, it, it, and if I feel prepared, then I'm okay. It's if 
But if you were to shove a microphone in my face at like a city council meeting or something like that, I would still be scared Uh, to death. Yeah. (laughs) So I think uh, myself, so claustrophobia, so that, you know, the fear of being in small, confined places. I've never struggled with too much except for in a couple of moments, like one be on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going on a long plane ride and you're mm-hmm. the one like in the middle seat and you know yeah, you have to get yeah. up and go to the bathroom like five times in that time mm-hmm. and you're freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Or like MRIs. Like if you have to get an MRI and you're stuck there for like 20 minutes while this thing's going on, you can't move. Right. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, so that's one. But I love trying to like rationalize fears. Like so I had a friend. I'm trying to remember. I have a list here. Um is it glob- globophobia, which is a fear of balloons. Huh. Oh, it's, yeah. it's actually very rare, but I actually had a friend in college who struggled with that, and I tried mm-hmm. to figure it out, and she doesn't remember. She just remembers, like... That's interesting. The, what it's saying. It's not, it's it's not even, like, last. the fear of the balloon. It's the fear of the balloon popping. popping. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's, a, that's an uneasy feeling if you're just sitting there watching right. it. I bet it was, like, the scariest movie oh, ever. Oh, sure. Sure. Fear of clowns and also There's fear. a clown holding a balloon. Yeah. Oh, no. But the closest thing I had to a phobia is... I don't like anything to do with eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so I feel like God's given me 2010 for this reason, not 2010 <laughs> vision. Cause otherwise I would probably die. Yeah. Uh, I don't like anything near my eyes or anything touching my eyes. Don't even, don't even look at me. <laughs> I can't watch Kate Butler contacts. His eyes. <laughs> if Kate puts contacts in, it freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So much so that when we were, it's like four or five years ago, I was helping my dad with a project in his office and I got drywall dust in my eyes and it was awful. And I thought, I had to go to the hospital, which freaked me out even more because I knew what it would require. Like they were yeah. like scrape it or wash it out. I'm like, this is going to be terrible. I'm just going to go home. Mm. So I went home and like try to make myself cry. I think I watched Marley and me just to kind of get the emotions <laughs> rolling there. You don't have a soul. You wouldn't yeah. cry during that. You'd rather watch them too. die like on nature videos. <laughs> but uh, I remember Katie's like, I'm going to try to help you. So I'm laying on the couch on my back and she puts her knees on my shoulders and starts like trying to get the piece of drywall. And I got like superhuman strength. I picked her up and threw her across the room. I'm like, Dude, get off! Don't me. mention that on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not, then, uh, so we're all mandatory re- reporters. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I'm just yeah. gently late. Anything in my inside. eyes freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, but I, the only way I can rationalize it. Star Trek fans, maybe some of our weirdos. Uh, Star Trek First Contact. Well, I think it was the opening sequence of Patrick Stewart. He has a nightmare. It's a big needle coming yeah, for his right. eye. And for the longest time, I thought it like punctured his eye because I never mm-hmm. watched it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until three years ago I finally made myself watch the entire scene trying to conquer this fear. <laughs> it doesn't do it. He wakes yeah. up before, but still. That's funny. Yeah, I've seen out. those scenes before. And yeah, I mean, it's not comfortable to, to no. think about it. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and a lot of people would probably say they have arachnophobia, you know, mm-hmm. like this fear of spiders. But I if, if I don't have like, you know, clinically have that fear i'm close to it like but i i think i've realized like really any kind of bugs but especially things with like more legs than they should possibly have Mm -hmm. like crabs kind of freak me out in that way too like it bothers me that there's like so many moving pieces all at once like when a spider's walking like Mm -hmm. that that many legs are moving it freaks me out pretty bad so Uh, do you eat would you eat crab i would eat crab yeah, it's from the like boiled. Crab. So I've actually never done that. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm I might would struggle with I it a little bit. Like 
crab and stuff like that. But it is, it kind of grossed me out breaking it open and stuff. Yeah. It's like this exoskeleton. Yeah. It's like, See, this is just an insect I, that I, we're I okay with eating. There's a reason I've probably never eaten right, it yeah. like that. Like crab cakes, you know, I, I like crab meat. Right. Yeah. But uh, what about snowshoe they, crab where you eat the, or not snowshoe, a uh, soft the, shell crab mm, where yeah. you eat the shell? Nah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't it's think delicious. I could do that. Yeah. I saw a guy, this is on TikTok the other day. He he snuck a real life lobster into Red Lobster. And so whenever he ordered lobster, he quickly took the one that was cooked off his plate and put the live one on it. Oh, nice. And followed and awesome. made a complaint to the waiter. Who this is a little out. undercooked. <laughs> it's like walking what about on the table? one of those like a fish with the eyes? Could you eat that? I've done it. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if the eye part would mess you up. No. <laughs> I'm not testing the eye. Do you poke it? I'm not looking at that. Uh, I, I saw one more, and I don't know if this is a real thing. Uh, I was I've been told both of you recently how much I love ducks. Like mm-hmm. I really like ducks. I want to have ducks one I day. I saw them in the uh, tractor supply, staring at ducks for like five minutes, mm-hmm. wanting like pet them. And you just yeah, went had it at Hart's Kitchen, didn't you? Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think watching Friends years ago, it was like, dude, that's so cool that they have a duck. Yeah. And Candace and I like to go walk out of the VA, and I just love looking at the ducks out there too. But um, anatidophobia is the fear that a duck is watching you. <laughs> so not even just the fear of ducks, but just that there might be one behind In me the room. just looking at me a little you, too You weird. can't be sure there's not one. No, I can't be sure. <laughs> so I thought that was funny, but uh, I like this one. It's called a phobo phobia which is the fear of developing phobias, which is just a vicious cycle. I'm sorry if anybody has that. Uh, you just constantly worry that you might develop a phobia. That's rough. Yeah. There's, there's actually one that a lot of people in church suffer and they don't know it's a phobia. Uh, Ephobophobia, which every time Josh asks for volunteers with, for youth or children, mm. this phobia shows up. It's the fear of adolescence or youth. People with this phobia may perceive teenagers as out of control or dangerous and believe they are rude, unpredictable, and do not follow rules. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Based on a native portrayal of teenagers. Well, yeah, I just, I'd like to say the kids and teenagers in our church are amazing. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. dynamite. They're not and dangerous. You're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what? They have a phobia of you. <laughs> Stay that out of the way. probably is an opposite probably phobia is of that as yeah. well. Yeah, a phobia of old mean people. <laughs> uh, did you guys have to the fear of long words? Yeah. I wanted some one of you guys to try to write right. it. Yeah. Hip, uh, hip, <laughs> hippopotamonstrosis quip And he didn't even mess up saying that. That was perfect. It is also, ironically, the longest word in the dictionary. So it is actually a real it's word. It's a real word. Oh, wow. I think I you had to joke. No. You had to pick the longest word to describe the fear of long words. <laughs> it, okay, so this makes sense, though. I the mean, first word is hippopotamus, isn't it? I, yeah, that's well, why that's, I, that comes from. I felt like they just added something. That. Like, the word's got to be longer. <laughs> so there's, there's another name for it called sesquipedolophobia. Uh, so basically, it's believed that the phobia of long words develops from being embarrassed by pronouncing long words incorrectly. Again, you do public speaking in church and you're reading through like Nehemiah, you're going to yeah, freak out when you got to read some of these names. Yeah. Oh, I get so short that's what it is. It's not time. the actual name of the phobia. It's a test to find out if you have that phobia. <laughs> did we pass? I, you I you did good. your best to handle it. I didn't, probably didn't say it right. You wouldn't have any intense fear. You weren't sweating. Well, that's what I do is I'll just read it and, and whatever comes out, I'm just going to be confident. Say with confidence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. We don't actually know what we're talking what about. We read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, it doesn't matter how much confidence I have. He said, oh, I'm going to get roasted. He said, a Okinawa. Is it Okinawa? Okinawa. Okay. Yeah. That's close. It's okay. We all done. Just rolled off my tongue that way. I thought it was a different city, but. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a different podcast altogether. Things we've said. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It'd be funny. Well, there we go. Well, cool. Well, um, so talking about worry and anxiety today, we realize this might be something that some some people are really struggling with. Um, so I hope we can be helpful and that we can uh, help be supportive and maybe talk through a very real issue that some of you guys are dealing with. But um, we also this is, uh, you know, awesome because we're starting on Sunday a series called Fix My Mind that talks about how there's a stigma around Christianity of mental health, as if that, you know, if you're a Christian, you'll never suffer suffer with anxiety, depression, or stress, or any of those things. Uh, and, you know, we're going to talk about for four weeks, uh, different ways uh, to approach this from a spiritual standpoint, but also, you know, know that none of us are doctors and, you know, we don't have our medical degree and and there are professionals out there that can help you with these things, with hopelessness and, and all those things. So please talk to somebody. There's lots of ways to holistically approach uh, anxiety and depression through um, medicine or, you know, a counselor or something like that. But uh, if you resonate with this episode, uh, join us on Sunday or watch it afterwards on YouTube and, uh, Fix My Mind is coming up uh, yeah. this Sunday as well. And like Phil said, seriously, there is no shame in finding help outside of the church. You Jesus know? followers um, can suffer with mental illness. Absolutely. And they can love Jesus and you can pray as hard as you possibly can and read your Bible and still suffer with mental illness. So yeah. someone might have told you that, uh, something different than that at one point, but uh, we see it in the Old Testament especially where yeah. people suffered uh, with with hopelessness and depression. And, and you'll see once we open things up, I... I, all three of us, I know, will probably have some kind of story of a time in our lives where we were struggling with yep. with things like this. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about worry and anxiety and the art that so many of us have mastered, like overthinking. Right, mm-hmm. we're really good at that. Uh, and again, I, I mentioned this earlier. We'll kind of use this word worry with the understanding that it's a word that's almost kind of like pregnant with more meaning. Like you could use it in a lot of different ways and it holds a lot of different meanings. Uh, but we're going to be using that to just kind of encompass this idea of anxiety and overthinking and worry. So everyone worries at one point or another, right? But some people would say that they are natural born worriers, mm-hmm. right? Some real worry warts. Either of you guys like that? Mine, I, I've learned, I've learned mine at worry. I don't think as a kid, I was naturally worried yeah. about too much. Uh, responsibility can, can really add to, you know, the more that you are in charge of can add those different things. What about you, Scott? Um, it pops up randomly. Yeah. You're for the most part, pretty, both of you are fairly easygoing as far as I feel like anyway. I don't know what goes on the inside, but just judging from the outside. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm pretty good. In if any of us is natural, it's me. Yeah, uh, but mine is more of a logical steps. It's more yeah. about doing than it is about just sitting in paralyzed. Yeah. You know? I I overthink more than I 
Mm-hmm. Then I worry. Yeah. Um, I'll kind plan of out build scenarios. Build scenarios. scenarios. I'll have yeah. conversations where I have seven scenarios in my head before the conversation right. happens and then none of them turn out. Which right. can be bad Which as can well. Be, yeah. Especially yeah. when you're trying no. to sleep. You had that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saturday. If I, I, if think, I wake right? up in the middle of the night, it's because I'm overthinking something mm-hmm. and I just can't get back to sleep. Yeah. Sometimes I can like detach myself so far from reality in this. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like 20 minutes have gone by and I'm like, None of this is real. And I need to like, <laughs> I need to backtrack a little bit, yeah. but, but it's true that for some of us, worry starts really small and we worry about different things, but inevitably for others, right? Some people worry starts with this annoying flickering spark, but it spirals and becomes this wildfire of anxiety and intrusive thoughts that just kind of come in and rule our minds and worry can be fatal, right? And even if it doesn't actually take our life, it takes our lives captive and controls us. So we need to learn how to be self-aware of our worry and then how to wage war on worry and reclaim our minds. So I want to share with everybody listening today uh, a resource that's been helpful to me. It's something we actually just worked through with our students. It is a book that Louis Giglio just released called Winning the War on Worry. And throughout this book, we become more familiar with worry, but we learn how to create a battle plan to fight back Mm -hmm. as well. So in the first part of the book, I love this. He talks about that worry is a liar. Mm. Worry is a liar. Worry likes to convince us these lies. And uh, Louis lays out these four lies. And I just want to run over these real quick with you guys. I I thought this would be helpful for somebody. So the first lie is this, that something really bad is going to happen. Mm. Right. I'm sure worry has convinced everyone listening at some point something bad is going to happen. Worry wants us to convince us that the worst case scenario in your mind is inevitable and unstoppable. But this is a lie. Uh, there's actually a study done at Penn State in 2019 that revealed this, that 91 percent of what we worry about never actually happens. Yeah, right. 91 percent of what we worry about never actually happens. So yeah. over nine out of 10 things you worry about probably will never become reality. That's definitely probably held up in my statistically what it I'm really good at predicting one. Hey, that reminds me of, uh, this is before y'all's time, I think, but Y2K is like a random. Before our time. It was back when no, I was a child. We were young. Young. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a New Year's Eve party born. that night. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. I remember all this. Yeah. And, uh, did you Four say I wasn't old? born? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I was five years old. <laughs> See, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that was a hysteria. Like, oh, yeah. and, 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 but I'm looking at it like, Oh, the date's going to change and the whole world's going to collapse. And uh, I remember they talk about it in church, you know, and and uh, what are we going to do? And I was at a party, uh, New Year's Eve party, and like one of the guys thought it'd be funny to attach a string to the breaker in his house and pull that, you know, at right at Dude, that's midnight and, uh, you know, make it make us all think that, you know, the world had collapsed. Uh, Man. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So nine out of ten things. Never become reality. Why two K? There was this uh, uh, famous quote. It's been attributed to a few different people that says this: "My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened." <laughs> yeah, right. That sounds- I think that's pretty true for a lot of us. We dream all these things up. We have all these hypotheticals, and we overthink. But the truth is, a lot of it 
has never happened and won't ever happen. The second lie is this, that the more you worry about it, the better your odds of avoiding it, mm. right? Some of you have tried to worry your problems away, thinking that more worry will equate to a clearer mind. But you know from experience that things only get murkier and more chaotic, right? Worry has never made tomorrow any more glorious. It's only stolen beauty and joy from today. Yep. The third one is that I have no choice. I'm a born worrier. And some of you have already, you're watching this and you're like, that's me. I'm such a born worrier. I worry about everything. Uh, some people definitely are more prone to worry and anxiety, but we aren't left unable to fight back. And yeah. we we believe that you know Jesus came to redeem us and that we become a new creation when we are in Christ. So uh, these are things that we can identify and kind of fight back against, even if it's a natural tendency of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth lie is that I can control the outcome by worrying, right? Mm-hmm. So th- it is true that we can definitely plan. Like we can make plans and, you know, Phil might be laughing at me. I I, I didn't used to be a good planner. I, th- I yeah. think I've grown in that area a little bit, but uh, uh, I was laughing about the fact that all that ever happens is I get hyped up and ready to like defend myself or something like that. Like <laughs> someone will walk up, shut up. You know, Cause I've been thinking about it for too long. Right. Uh, it doesn't go that far, but maybe that's how I feel on the inside, you know, ready to pounce. Yeah. So we can definitely make plans and our outcomes are consequential of how we live, but we also aren't God, right? You aren't God. I'm not God. And sometimes we might need to repent of trying to be God in our lives. Right thinking that we can control all of the outcomes. So we need to be able to identify these lies if we're going to stand any chance of reclaiming our minds back. Uh, So very briefly, before we turn things back to you guys, I just wanted to share too, uh, after these lies are identified, Louis talks about this in the next chapter, that uh, what is the anatomy of worry? So if you were to take worry and put it on a table and cut it open and dissect it. It's actually one of my worries. (laughs) Being dissected. (laughs) But at at the heart of worry, what would we find? And at the heart of worry, we find our desire to be in control. Yep. And if we're honest with ourselves, we want to be in control of everything. And some Mm -hmm. of us are more control freaks than others, but at the heart of worry is this burning desire to be in control of everything. And a lot of our worry and anxiety comes in direct correlation with our obsessive need to have our hands on everything, right? Mm -hmm. For everything to be under our own control. But the Bible reminds us that left to our own efforts, we always find ourselves in a mess. Yep. It's a good thing that I'm not God and there is a God who's bigger than me and my anxiety. The Bible teaches not to grasp tightly to everything in our lives, but to keep our hands open, constantly relying on God to provide. And the Bible assures us that God sees us, God loves us, and God really cares about your problems. I love it, what Jesus says in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, that if God loves and cares for the birds and the flowers and he constantly provides for them, how much more does God love you? You are an image bearer of God. How much more does he love you? How much more will he care for you? So we need to dwell on scripture like that when we start to worry. We need to fight back with proactive prayer. I love the way Paul says it in Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Yeah. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So it's not just, hey, don't worry, mm-hmm. right? This command, like, hey, forget about it. 
it's you know because we know that's not easy somebody's probably told you before well hey just don't worry about it be happy that's really helpful right well, why don't you just just smile <laughs> yeah it's super annoying when people say things like that it's like yeah hey, I I wish I could just, don't worry about it i hadn't thought of that i hadn't thought about just smiling what are you worried about? And so, yeah yeah so that that doesn't always work but it's a matter here of inviting God into your worry, mm-hmm. right? Lifting up your problems and turning them into prayers, being honest with God, openly inviting him to intervene in your life. This isn't an insensitive command or uh, shaming of those who worry saying, Hey, don't worry. Yeah. It's a plea to fight worry with constant mm-hmm. prayer. And instead of dwelling on worry, abiding in the one who is bigger than our worry. So I'm going to turn things to you guys real quick. Just, Maybe something you wanted to add to this, or maybe you want to share an experience from your own life where you've seen worry and anxiety kind of yeah. take over. Well, the, the thing that we don't think about sometimes is that we actually train our brains. Just like we train our bodies, uh, we can stretch and we can walk often and uh, we can change our eating habits and it can change our bodies. We also, our mind, our brain is part of our body. And The way that our brain works is things that you have thought before are easier to think again. So if you're constantly a a negative person, the more negative you are, the more easy it is to be negative. And so that's one of the ways that we and we'll talk about this in our Fix My Mind series. But uh, that's one of the ways that we can fight uh, anxiety and depression is by retraining our brain. And like you said, uh, fixing our mind on God and who he is. The Bible tells us to magnify the Lord. Uh, Magnifying the Lord doesn't make God any bigger, except for in our view. We look Mm. closer at who God is, and as we look closer at who God is, our problems seem smaller. When you look at how infinite and how omnipotent and all-powerful God is, the little problem that you're having with Susie at work doesn't look so big anymore. And then you look at life with a long view that life is long. And what I'm worrying about today in a week, I probably won't even remember anymore. Uh, So we can retrain our brain to think in these ways uh, that can help. And that can help alongside of, you know, maybe medicine or counseling or or any of those other holistic problems is changing our thinking habits. Now, it might also be getting more sleep or, mm-hmm. or exercising or changing our diet. Yeah. Uh, I found out a few months ago, I actually was around Christmas. Uh, Christmas is a busy time for people that works, uh, work at churches. And uh, I think I was drinking way too much caffeine because I felt like a low level panic, like all December. (laughs) And uh, I I was like, all right, I'm going to stop drinking. So, cause it wasn't just coffee too. You know, I'll drink a diet, you know, go to Wendy's and get the biggest diet soda they, they have because it's a better deal. You know, you can't get a small soda, small soda costs $2 at triple X large costs $2.50. So it's like, (laughs) it's what they did on parks and rec. Yeah. Right. 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 It was like the 500 ounce. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, the best value when I stopped drinking so much caffeine, I realized, oh, this thing maybe isn't just giving me energy. It's making me anxious. And uh, those little changes like that in our everyday. So so maybe you are somebody that struggles with chronic anxiety and depression. That doesn't mean that you have to lean into it and just say that I always will be like this. There are things that we can spiritually change. Uh, there are things that we can change uh, health wise and, and, and all those different types of things that can really, really help with that. Uh, so for myself, I, I would say maybe you all can we can disagree on this. I don't know. 
I've always been, my struggle has been more on the depression side of things, mm. uh, which I think is kind of in a different. Um, it's like related, but different. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah like that's, that's, that's kind of uh, hopelessness. Is, yeah, I, and right. sometimes anxiety can lead. Like I worry so much yeah. about something that I get to a point that I'm hopeless. Naturally, I've not I've never seen myself as a worrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I've always known that I do is I can sometimes kind of stifle things and mm-hmm. model things up to the point where if I don't address it, or don't allow it to happen, or don't allow things to kind of express themselves, I can all of a sudden just check out yeah. mentally mm-hmm. or go into dark places in the past. But I will say one time where uh, because I have even alongside us, I've battled with panic attacks in the past mm-hmm. um i'm you know they come up every now and then but it's usually at the moment where i'm most stressed um so less less anxious more stressed so the last time that was really uh kind of crazy moment was actually when keely was born mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't know that when we were in the hospital excuse me we were in the hospital for keely being born Katie was positive for COVID mm-hmm. and didn't, we didn't notice yet. And so when we get home, that's when we found out. And it was a really bad time because you're coming home from the hospital. You're trying to adjust to a newborn. Right. You already have another baby at home, but then now your wife is uh, sick. And I'm, my stress comes in when people around me are dealing with things that I can't control. It comes right. back to control things. Yeah. And for the first, I think, five days, Katie might correct me, for the first five days of Katie's life, I was the only one wow. around her. Yeah. Right. Uh, because Katie would come in with masks and gloves and would feed her then walk back out. And mm-hmm. I would stay up at night because I'm also thinking, how, what's a five-day-old going to do with right. COVID? Yeah. So I would sit there and just lay my head down next to her and just watch her breathing and mm-hmm. put my hand in front of her mouth. And then the day I had to take her to get checked herself, I'll be honest, I wanted to punch that nurse. Watch <laughs> that, when that little thing went up her nose, yeah, like a five-day-old, yeah. I'm having to hold her head. And that was, <laughs> that was sending me off the edge. Right. And it was... Me bottling all up, just so my, just so Katie would know we're we're good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but secretly, it was me. I was spiraling out of control. Yeah, yeah. And that's more of my kind of issues with it all. Right. Um, that can be tough too. When like so, sometimes in marriages or relationships, one person suffers with anxiety, and the other person is pretty even keeled. Uh, other times, it's well, maybe this person suffers more, but this person also suffers, but just not as much. And this person might feel the need to cover up that uh, and to talk positively while they're struggling alone by themselves. And that can be yeah. a really, and, and you know, sometimes those roles might change where one times this person, the other times this person, but that can be uh, really a difficult thing too. Cause if we don't deal with those things, uh, it can really sneak up with them. And that's what happens to you a lot, I think is, you don't feel it until it's past the point of no return. Yes. Yeah. That is uh, a lot of times that's it for me. Um, and, uh, so like, like Scott said, I've really, the last couple of years, maybe I've had a little more anxiety. It's typically in the form of overthinking. Like Scott said, like I'll just randomly get hung up on, Oh, somebody said this to me on Tuesday. What did they mean by that? And like, I start to build these like scenarios in my head and things like that. But yeah, like Phil said, I, I, I struggle with dealing with things in t- like on time mm. and like, yeah, like I, I won't even realize that I've bottled all of these feelings up until it's, you know, I'm a mess, yeah. but, but like, like Scott said, it's, it's not been as much anxiety for me, but, um, and I, I know worry is the main topic here today, but depression uh, and I think that's fair to talk about because like, Hey, 
we, I'm sure most of you watching today are struggling with some kind of mental health or have struggled with something like that. Um, probably pretty recently, and, and but men are not exempt from this. They're actually, I think the statistics say they suffer with it more. Yeah. They just talk about it less partially. I think some, some of the reasons that they suffer with is more is because men are, uh, don't have as close relationships with people. They might have more friends, but less real close relationships. Uh, for some reason, we think talking about our struggles makes us weak. Yeah, where in right. reality, uh, somebody that is, you know, not, we're not talking about making stuff up, but like talking about themselves for real that we talked about a fear of public speaking, uh, getting past that and opening up can be a great sign of bravery and uh, courage. Uh, so we want to, you know, encourage you if you are somebody that is struggling alone um to to open up find somebody that is, is sincerely will listen right yeah and uh and and cares about you but then be honest with them um and sometimes just talking about it and letting it out is the biggest thing and i think in society today we've lost that uh you know just going and talking to the neighbor on a porch drinking iced tea about you know some of the things that you're struggling with now uh, what we call uh, relationship is social media which is not social at all it's just this uh you know front of a perfect life that we put out there um when we're silently you know suffering so yeah uh worry anxiety all these different types of things just talking and letting and and somebody listening to you can sometimes be uh, the key there too. Yeah. I know, I know having like a couple specific group chats in my life has been really helpful where mm -hmm. we can occasionally like, how's everybody actually doing, you know? Yeah. And there's some people in my life that I know I can go be super honest with at like a couple Sundays ago, it was a Sunday night. I was getting ready for student ministry and, you know, I'm just going to be open with everybody here today. I was just really tired. It, mm -hmm. it had been a long couple weeks. A lot had been going on and I, was just like, I felt I was a mess on that Sunday afternoon. And I hated that because I was like, you know, I need to be on, I need to be spiritually in the right place and mentally in the right place to lead, you know, these other leaders and these students. And so it was bumming me out that I was just like, I just feel like I'm in the dark right now. And I, but I knew I had a handful of people that I could, I just started texting a couple of close friends, um, like a Brett Harbaugh, like, I'm just going to give him a shout out. He's always one of those guys that's, even if I'm not saying something like that to him, he's checking on me. Yeah. And I, so I, I wanted to say his name just to give him a shout out. Thanks for caring about me, man. But uh, there's some people in my life that I know, okay, I just need to text some people. I need to ask for prayer. I need to ask for encouragement. And uh, I've been blessed with a lot of people that, that can speak into my life in those areas. And that's the important thing too. You might say, well, I don't have any friends like that. The best way to get friends like that is to be a friend like that. Uh, I know I'm Brett will do that to me too. And I know I'm more prone to ask Brett, Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Because he's asked me how I'm doing. And, uh, that's one way that we can begin to build those relationships is to be someone that cares about other people. Yeah. And I, I challenge in our life group, we all want authentic community, mm -hmm. but you will never get it if you're never presenting authentic self yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and good to if say. we're not doing that, we'll never receive it. Right. Yeah. And so my challenge, especially over the next few weeks, as we talk about this and the, the uh, fix our mind, find somebody mm -hmm. and be authentic. As we talked about, I can be very free. And I mean, I'll never forget. It was one of the worst times of my entire life. 
is when I finally had pretty much a mental breakdown from my parents. Mm. But just the freedom that actually came with that moment was yeah. huge. Yep. Um, and just the needs that were revealed and just went to counseling right after that and mm. ended up being one of the best things ever happened in life. Yeah. But there's moments in, in, in marriage, there's moments in friendships where those kind of things happen again. And it's always, you kind of have to chip away at the things that are blocking our authenticity yeah. for the show itself. And if you have somebody like that in your life who can take that, you found somebody that's awesome. And, and ideally, this is someone that, it, you know, if you can find it, that is spiritually mature as yes. well. Because you can get the opposite of that if somebody tells you, you know, to bow up at somebody or to get revenge or, you know, to tear down somebody else rather than listen and just say, I care about you yeah. and I'm here for you. And to say those type of things rather than, you know go run your car into somebody's house or something like that. You know, I mean, there's dangerous ways to, to right. have that happen too. Yeah. I love the, you know, you talked about authenticity. Um, I, I know you guys have heard this quote. I go back to this all the time with our students is that, um, you know, we, we all have the longing inside of us to be fully known and fully loved, but how those things go together. You know, I can't be fully a hundred percent loved by Phil. If, if I've only showed him like 97% of, of my life and my mm-hmm. struggles, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, like find the courage and it might take some time to, Hey, I'm going to be real with some people so that I can accept full love from these people as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, so that's the current or the, the challenge for you guys today that we've kind of covered is to find your friends, find that circle of people to surround yourself with that you can be real with that you can talk about worry and, and anxiety and depression and, and all of these struggles with those people. So find those people, but also the second challenge is to be that person for somebody else. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's somebody in your life that, you know, maybe th- seems uh, things seem fine, uh, but they could be struggling too. So I want to challenge everybody, you know, find your circle, but also reach out to somebody this week, mm-hmm. reach out to a friend, maybe somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's one of your best friends. Maybe you just write down the names of five people and say, I'm just going to check on these people this week. Um, and because you might be the person in the community and the circle that they're longing for in a dark season, right? Can we now share too. a third challenge. Yeah, let's do it. Share your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you don't realize the power that your story may have in helping someone else, come out of this darkness that they're living in just by hearing your boldness and your, your vulnerability and your humility to share that. Mm -hmm. I know it's been, it's been that way for me in the past when someone has shared their story. I'm like, Oh, I'm allowed to say these things too. Yeah. Uh, As pastors, we've had to talk about that a lot. I was like, there's this idea that we can't be vulnerable. Mm. No, that's terrible. We're the worst. We're thinking too much of ourselves if we think that. Yeah. Um, So I want to encourage you to also share your story, especially over the next few weeks. We'd love to hear from you. That's a good prompting question. You've talked about that as a way to get past how's the weather, where you're from. Stop the superficial conversations. Get down to the level of. Now, it probably should be in an appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to. Phil and I always joke about a. There's uh, a book called How's Your Soul? Yeah. And like, uh, it's a good book, uh, but that's an awkward question to ask people because that's the, the prompt. Right, when you my my question is, shop. what's your story? Just yeah, so you that's know. a little bit better. So, no, yeah. That feels great. Don't How's it. Your Soul can be a little creepy. Yeah, yeah that's your soul. Can if, I have it? If I just, <laughs> I just sat down <laughs> in coffee with this person and we barely know each other. How's your soul? You're right. You know, it's yeah. like, Do we don't have to be weird or creepy? I'm fine. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're part of a church, uh, a small group is a, a great way to, to do that. Or if you're not part of a church or maybe your um, church doesn't have a small group, just finding some people and say, hey, look, 
I need a community of people. Just being honest, I need people, and I, and I want to be there for other people too. Mm. Open your Bible, start the Gospel of John, and just start talking about uh, your lives and talking about the, what the Bible says, and you know, say, you know, what would this story look like in today's age when you know Jesus did this or said this to this person, and and just start that you know micro church in your community at. Parties or something like that. Uh, you can you can have that community, and it's it's a you don't have to go through. And I'm saying this, you know, as as pastors, uh, you don't have to go through your pastor to start it. And uh, if he has a problem with that, uh, tell him to holler at me. Yeah, I'll fight him. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. That's Scott. He yes, he will. Fight everybody. <laughs> no, but you can have this authentic community, and it's actually not that hard. It's a little bit scary, uh, but once you get past that nervousness and, and share your story with people. Uh, you can can have that tribe of people around you. Yep. So there there we go. As we kind of wrap things up today, um, we want to thank you for being here and for allowing us to dive into this harder conversation today. Uh, but don't forget your challenges to find friends, be a friend, share your story. Those are your three challenges today. And we would love to hear. You don't have maybe it's a little <laughs> more personal and you don't want to put it in the comments on YouTube or on Facebook. But we'd love to just hear about like how you know, this, this episode helped, helped you with whatever you're going through. And, uh, maybe it spoke to you in some way, or maybe you just kind of want to share your, a little bit of your story or what mm -hmm. you're dealing with, with us. So, or, or um, you're, you know, maybe it's a little lighter and you want to share your weird fear. Yeah. Uh, you can talk yeah, about love that to see too. those phobias on there too, yeah. but, uh, make sure to share this out, make sure to vote for a weird award winner for the next episode. Uh, we want to get this out to as many people as we can. And we try to make sure this is an easy on ramp for people, even if they're not believers to come in and listen and talk about weird faith. So share this out. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't done that. Uh, and we're looking for some new people where we want the uh, people that have commented a bunch of times before. We're looking for some, maybe you're like, man, I'm just not one of those commenter on a YouTube you know, video. Do it. We'd love to mm -hmm. read those and yeah. we'd love to just know you're uh, listening and uh, and hear what you have to say. And subscribe. Yeah. Don't be like we, Jared Marazzi who no. waited until the ninth episode, <laughs> right? Whichever we, one this is, to finally subscribe. Yeah. But he said we are his only subscription on YouTube. Yeah, there we go. So we we really light up. Like when, when there's comments, mm -hmm. we're texting each other in our group chat. Look, you commented. And yeah. we, we love seeing you guys interacting and sharing it. And maybe like I know Samantha Audia has posted a picture of her girls watching like yeah, we love awesome. seeing that yep. stuff so if you hit that little bell it's the notification button it'll notify you when there's new videos um so anyway we're so excited to have this community with you we're having a blast and uh we hope that you will begin to battle worry mm -hmm. in your life and don't just you know lean into it and just say i'm a warrior uh, and remember these challenges and uh take your faith to the next level so let's get weird because normal isn't working. We love you, weirdos.